Hey, this is Scott Klosowski. You've landed at The Digital Optimist, a podcast that looks into the future of technology impacts on the world. Yeah, I see a brighter future coming, so jump into a few episodes and see if you agree. Here we go. The final episode in the Relationship and Digital series, uh, the one that we're going to do on committed relationships and marriage. Uh, I've been thinking about this one for a long time, obviously. You can see a little bit of a gap uh, in the podcast that I've done. Uh, So given this a lot of thought, it actually is the hardest one in the whole series, really thinking about, well, when when you're in a committed relationship or a marriage, uh, and I'll go back and forth using those terms, by the way, just so we can include anybody that's in any kind of deep relationship that's long-term. Uh, the impact of technology, it's a very interesting ingredient. Now, we've covered the impact on many other types of relationships, and in each one we've built up to the more mm, deep level relationship. And so here we go with the last step, and then we're going to move on to some new topics. Now, I always start with a story, as you might have noticed. Uh, Adam and Eve had their snake story, and so do my wife and I. So, actually, we've got multiple snake stories. I could tell you the story about the uh, little small snake, a little bit bigger than a worm, uh, that got into the garage one time. Uh, I showed it to my wife in a box before I took it uh, out across to the yard across from ours, let it go. Uh, I flew out to give a speech the next day. I'm walking towards the stage, and I see a frantic call on my phone. I answered, and it's my wife, and that snake somehow had decided to get back to our house, go in the house, and was in the kitchen. And my wife was quite upset because I had commented that it looked like a baby rattlesnake. Now, I was kidding when I said that, but she didn't know that. And so she was worried about our dog. She was worried about our daughter. And so uh, a friend of ours had to come over and uh, once again remove the snake from the house. Now, just lately, we had another snake story. And so, again, she calls me. Snake was outside the garage. She opened the garage. Uh, It got into the garage. Uh, And so I was able to talk her down about the snake, uh, come home, get the snake, and again, release it, except this time much farther away from the house. Now, the reason I start with these snake stories is the immediacy of communication. Now, we didn't have that decades ago. In a marriage, when you were apart, you were apart. You didn't have an immediate connection to be able to talk to each other. Just, that is just one element that we will cover as far as how digital has changed uh, the impact in a marriage. Now, whether you've got a marriage or, like I said, a union or uh, you know any type of long-term committed relationship, uh, there's no question that technology is playing a role in it. Uh, it might be a facilitator of conversations. Uh, it, it could even be 100% the reason that you found each other. But one thing is for sure, it is woven into our deepest relationships, just like technology is woven into many other areas of our lives. And that is the reason why we really need to take a look at this. Uh, marriage or deep relationships are critical parts of our lives. Technology has become a critical part of our life. But I don't hear many people talking about the intersection of these two. You know, what is the role of technology in a marriage? Is it positive or negative? Now, because we are the digital optimist, 
certainly we're going to talk about the future and we'll talk about the optimistic view of technology in a relationship. Uh, however, we also must cover what is negative about technology in a marriage these days. So I'm going to do everything I can not to use our own marriage, now that I've told you that story, as a canvas for this podcast. Uh, committed relationships are, are unique. Everyone is like a snowflake, in my opinion, uh, and the role technology plays is completely dependent on how both parties use the technology. Add that together with the type of relationship, and you get very different dynamics. And so there's no way to talk about any single general way that technology always impacts everyone. What I'm going to do is just try to cover it from a, a little bit of different vectors, and you'll see where something might resonate with you. But because no two relationships are exactly the same, uh, there's no way that the digital impacts are exactly the same. We all have our own stories. Now, with that said, upon studying this, I see five core ways that technology impacts committed relationships. Let's start with the first one, just finding a mate. Uh, those of us who got married or found our mate two decades ago, uh, we certainly probably didn't have that much digital that was involved. We found our mate in some traditional way. Uh, we found them because we were at, saw them at a social event or at school, at work. Uh, we would have run across them physically in most cases, uh, and that's how we would have gotten to know each other. Now, obviously, today, technology provides many tools to catch a wider net, and so now we can use Match.com or eHarmony or any one of a number of dating tools to be able to actually go out and find and filter down to somebody we might want to get to know. Uh, and depending on whose statistics you look at, one in six or one in five marriages today are coming from some type of digital tool that introduced the two people. Uh, we have some in our own family, our close family circle, that were introduced that way. So this is a, a, a good thing. Uh, certainly nothing wrong with this. Uh, one of the, the great aspects of it is it allows you to be introduced to people who might be interesting to you. Uh, it, with a, a much greater volume than what you might meet just physically going out and having to run into somebody. And so that's great. It casts a wider net, as I said. The one negative we'll say is uh, these digital sites that do dating or matching have a bit of a, a bias problem. And so one of the things that I don't like about them is they seek to try to define what type of person you want. And then once they understand more and more the type of person you want, that is all that they feed you. And that, that is the bias that does bother me. Because when it comes to finding a mate, there could be a lot of different types of people that we could be in a great committed relationship with. But if we just keep narrowing down, narrowing down, narrowing down the type, then what that does is it ostracizes everybody else that could possibly be somebody. So at the real simple level, uh, if you like somebody with blonde hair and blue eyes, and so that's all you're choosing when you look online, then that's all you're going to get fed by the digital sites. Well, there could be somebody with brown eyes and brown hair that would be the most wonderful soulmate you could ever have. But the problem is you're going to be fed blonde hair and blue eyes. So that's a bias problem with our number one type of technology that can impact relationships. All right, number two. 
just getting to know somebody, what, what I'm going to call digital courting. So because of the digital tools that we have, uh, yes, we now have tools that can help us even find dates. That's a wonderful thing. Uh, but we also have lots of other assets that digital brings us. So for instance, looking up somebody's background. Right? If you're dating, who hasn't gotten the name or been introduced to somebody and then Googled them, gone online, and tried to learn anything you can learn about them from looking at their social sites or anything you can find online. I mean, that's just standard operating procedures today. Now, we might not even think much about that, but again, 20, 30 years ago, we didn't have that capability. If we wanted to get to know somebody, if we wanted to go through the courting process, we had to just do it face-to-face. There was no looking up their past. There was no looking up everything that they had said online. There was no even being able to verify past relationships. Right? We just had to ask and just accept whatever they told us. Well, in a lot of cases, somebody could put up a front that was nothing like the truth. And so it's a good positive thing sometimes today is looking people up digitally sometimes can tell you, hey, you know what? This person is not for me. Now, there's also the aspect of being able to communicate to somebody digitally. So once you have been introduced to them, you have a second channel, not just the in-person channel to get to know them. You have a digital channel as well. And that's not a bad thing because in a lot of cases that can be a, a safety factor of uh, being able to talk to somebody without physically having to be there. And again, finding out maybe if you go on to the next step or you don't. Number three, the immersive communication model. Certainly, we have many channels now to talk to each other. I mean, video, audio, text. We have many channels that we can talk to each other in a deep relationship. It is immediate. Uh, it can be immersive, as I said. In other words, you can talk on and off to somebody that you're in a relationship with all day. And that could be whether you're just at work a few miles apart or whether you're a thousand miles apart because you're on the road. But this certainly has a huge impact on relationships today. Again, remember, I can tell you stories about uh, back in the 80s when I was working in the Soviet Union. And when I went to the Soviet Union for weeks at a time, I had almost zero way to communicate with my wife. And so uh, we saw each other when I left. We saw each other when we got back. And that's it. Right. Whereas today, completely different situation where you're able to talk to your spouse or your significant other. Uh, all day long, on and off. And so it just creates a more immersive communication model, which generally is a good thing for relationships. All right, number four, the time dedicated to technology. Now, specifically, the reason I think this has an eye impact is probably the time it takes away from the relationship. If you're a spouse, uh, if you have a spouse that's into gaming, you probably know what I mean. Uh, one that's heavy into social technologies, you know what I mean. Uh, a spouse who works works at home uh, many hours outside of an eight to five window, right? You know what I mean. So the the dedication that technology can give you to something else that we didn't used to have some years ago. Now years ago, you could have ignored your significant other. You could have read the paper. You could have read a book. Uh, you could have just left left the house. I mean, there were lots of ways to ignore your significant other. Technology just enhanced it. It just gave us a, a bigger toolbox that if you were going to dedicate time to something other than your significant other, you now have a lot of tools to do that. For that reason, this can have a huge impact on relationships. And again, if you're living with this, you know exactly what I mean. All right, number five. 
the ability to learn, grow, and solve problems in the relationship. This is a good thing generally. So it used to be, again, decades ago, if you had problems in your relationship, maybe you were too embarrassed to ask anybody, or maybe you just talked to a couple of close friends, maybe you went and got some counseling, maybe you didn't. Today, there is a huge swath of information on the internet on anything you'd like to know about how to improve any problem in your marriage. You can listen to podcasts from marriage experts. Uh, You can search on any problem in the marriage and read from multiple people that would have possible solutions. And all of this is free, instant, and private because you're able to go and do it in your own time without really identifying who you are to somebody. Now, this is a bigger deal than we probably think on, on, on the surface. You know, I remember people from the generations older than me that had marriages that were fairly dysfunctional. And I think about the fact that they didn't go to counseling, they probably didn't have anybody that they would talk to about their marriages, and really didn't have much in the way of resources. They could have bought a book, they could have, right? but in a lot of cases they didn't. Uh, maybe they didn't want to be seen reading the book. But today we don't have that. We, we have an online library of just about anything you could ever want for free to help you with how to grow or solve problems inside of a a committed relationship. So there you go. Five major things that I think today are already impacting relationships in a tremendous way. Now, I want to go on and talk about the future of where each of these five go, but but I've got to take a time out. And I want to be realistic about some of the serious problems we have today because of technology and just talk about a few of those. So I I mentioned one, which is technology is a distraction. You know, we cannot minimize uh, how detrimental it is to a relationship when you come home from work or or at the end of the day, you just want to talk to your significant other and you look over and they are face down, nose into a screen and going to be for some hours. And if you try to talk to them, they won't even take their nose out of the screen to be able to talk to you. So technology gives us an alternate world of attractions uh, that if we allow it, 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 it keeps us from eye-to-eye contact, discussions uh, that are meaningful with our significant other. And so that is a serious problem today. Again, if this is you, you know what I'm talking about. All right, the use of social platforms to build unhealthy side relationships is another one. Uh, There are uh, are a number of statistics out about how many divorces have been caused because of somebody building or renewing some relationship over social technologies. Uh, Certainly, these platforms give us easy access to communicate and build relationships with other people, whether they were strangers or past relationships. We didn't used to have that. If you wanted to renew a relationship or build a new relationship, you had to do it physically. It was pretty obvious. Everyone saw it, or a number of people saw it, you know, or it took time away that people saw you doing. Whereas today, you could have be nose in a screen. Nobody knows whether you're working, doing email, or whether you're on a social platform doing something you shouldn't be doing. Now, take it to another level. We got porn. Porn, the top toxic mimic of love. You'd have to be uh, completely unaware to understand that the internet has caused a huge problem with porn addiction in the world. You know, easy access to the visuals and to the videos, uh, free in some cases and for pay in other cases. 
Anything you want to search on, you're going to be able to find it. And again, porn is just a toxic mimic of love. I I don't necessarily want to debate. There will be people that say, oh, there's nothing wrong with it if you uh, know how to handle it. Uh, I don't believe that. You know, personally, I believe that uh, porn addictions, uh, all you are doing is replacing what a healthy relationship could or should be giving you. That's why, again, I say porn is just a toxic mimic of love. Certainly, this has become a growing problem for both men and women, uh, because I think women are the fastest growing uh, category of people that are becoming addicted to porn. All right. Next would be synthetic relationships. So taking your marriage and your significant other into the world of too much synthetic relationship. Uh, I always give this example of a hug with a person, a human, a real life human being like your uh, wife or husband or significant other. A hug with that person feels different than if you hugged a doll and is very different than if you do a virtual hug. As human beings, we're wired for energy to pass between us, especially when we're touching. And so when physical relationships, uh, marriages and deep relationships, get too much synthetic into them, it is not a good thing for the relationship. And so it's something to really look at is how some relationships uh, virtual communication has replaced physical communication, right? Uh, a virtual hug has replaced a real hug. And so a video, you know, has replaced a real face-to-face conversation. And so it's just something that we've seen in even deep relationship is the integration of too much synthetic, uh, which just degrades the depth of a relationship that is supposed to be as deep as we can go. And then the last one is just kind of an interesting one, the dating site psychology. Uh, One of the things that uh, we can see is that when people have used dating sites and been able to find uh, a deep relationship, um, they also now say, oh, well, that's always an option. And so sometimes it stops them from, from fighting to save a relationship. Now, not all relationships need to be saved if something goes wrong. I'm not saying that. Uh, There are some reasons why relationships should end, but there are also times when people are getting a little too glib about just ending relationships. Yeah, it's not going the way I want it to go. Uh, You know, the the, the magic has worn off, but you know what? I can just go back to a dating site. There's always more fish in the sea, right? It's a bit of a dating site psychology that maybe we didn't have in decades past, that's starting to come in, which is there's a high availability of other people. So if this relationship just doesn't go what, the way I wanted after three or four years, eh, just get divorced and get another one. And so just need to be careful of those things, right? Those problems that I've just talked about, you know, the distraction of technology in a relationship, using social platforms unhealthily, all the way up to porn, putting too much synthetic in a relationship, Right? And then the dating site psychology of just, ah, there's always another one I could replace this one with. So I want to be realistic, right? Those are problems that we have today. Before I go into talking about the future and why I think the future of deep relationships and technology has a lot of positive in it. All right, it's time. Let's go back to our five. So I'm going to go back to the, the five things that, that I shared with you already that I said most impact deep relationships. 
but now I want to look into the future and what I see that is positive, and let's be hopeful. All right, finding a mate. Now, what I see is we're going to have even better tools with even more sophisticated matching. So the algorithms are going to get better and better, and we're going to be able to have choices about whether we turn that bias off or not. So there'll be a big red button that says, hey, either continue to focus on uh, if I if I choose a like person three times in a row, go ahead and just filter everybody else out or to not say that and to say I would like no filters other than the basic generic filters that, that you're using. So I think there'll be much more sophisticated matching. And then I think that a lot of the sites will go on and support more digital courting, more video uh, first dates, which, of course, we saw during the pandemic that the sites uh, just added that functionality, just trying to be helpful. But it makes a lot of sense. Instead of an awkward first, let's go to uh, get ice cream together somewhere, and we don't even, never even had a good conversation yet. You know, uh, having, having these sites actually help you find a possible mate and then support the digital courting at some level. And so I see this coming in the future, and I love the idea of more sophisticated matching, and I love the idea of maybe supporting the early start of the relationship just for safety reasons, if nothing else. All right, number two, the getting to know them factor, right, that, that digital courting. So I believe we're going to get better and better tools for online connections and activities, and heavy on the activities. Because right now, all we can do online, for the most part, sometimes is just talk. Or maybe we could, you know, uh, choose to play some type of game together. What I believe we're going to get is more and more digital tools that allow us to connect and share experiences online, uh, just as a way to get to know each other better. And again, it's not a substitution for face-to-face contact. There really is no substitution for that. But what it can do is give you a little bit more of a safety platform uh, to get to know somebody, or it can add on, especially if you're not physically within 50 miles of each other where you're going to be able to get together face-to-face very easily. You know, I'm I'm not a big advocate of long-distance relationships forever. Uh, However, you know, I do think that sometimes just facilitating a relationship between two people who are temporarily going to be apart and giving them better tools to be able to have shared experiences together other than just talking online is a good thing. And so I really believe in the future we will get uh, more and more interesting tools that just help a young couple or new couple be able to have shared experiences online so that they get to know each other better and can do a better job with the digital courting, the digital part of the courting. All right, three, the immersive communication model. Well, clearly we're going to get more and more technology that allows people to be able to connect. So we're going to have wearables. We're going to have uh, augmented reality. Uh, We're going to have enhanced delivery systems. So we're going to have an ability to communicate with each other through new channels that could be even more realistic. You know, we've seen for years the idea of a hologram. I'm sure someday we'll have some type of hologram or we'll be able to project into AR or VR in a way that we can actually see somebody uh, a little bit more realistically than maybe just a face or just a face that has filters on it. So I, I believe we're going to have more and more communication channels to be able to talk to each other. Now, that also might uh, 
create more and more of a immersive experience when you're already a, a couple. So for example, I've often thought we're not too far away for where I can see up in the top corner of my eyes, uh, you know, a flashing set of information on what's going on with my wife and my children. And so it's just green, yellow, red, just letting me know where, kind of where they are, letting me know as long as they're healthy and their heart rates are not high or there's some other physical problem with them. So uh, if nothing else, if you just think about having a wearable with 30 pieces of data coming off of it, and I can see my significant other's key information on that, you know, then it's just a way that in real time I can be sure that they're okay. And so I just think we'll have other enhanced channels for communicating with each other uh, so that we know each other are okay or can uh, immediately help each other if we need to. And I think these will all be positive. I don't think it'll be creepy. Uh, I think it'll just provide a way that you can always be there for your significant other if they need you. All right, number four, the time dedicated to technology that takes away from a relationship. Now, we already talked about the fact that that's almost straight up bad. I mean, there isn't a lot I could say that's positive about that, except for one thing. When I look forward into the future, I believe that the pendulum will swing a bit. So people who would ignore their spouse for hours with social technology or gaming or whatever it is, I believe we will become more aware of this, and I believe that we will bring a better balance to our relationships. I believe we'll have more open conversations about this. I think when this first happened, when it was all new, uh, we just didn't talk about it that much. It was irritating. We might comment about it, right? but we didn't really sit down and try to put boundaries around it and say, hey, I don't mind if you're gaming, but could, could you just game for this much time you know, it, during these hours? And then the rest of the time, can we spend together? In other words, you know, how about don't stay up till two o'clock in the morning gaming? Why not just do it between the hours of seven and nine, right? If you're going to stick to that. So I I think when it was new, we didn't really know how to solve the problem quite as much uh, because it was a new negative thing in our marriages or our relationships. But I believe in the future, we're just going to be more open. It's going to be a more normal conversation to have to say, hey, let's find some balance. Right, let's balance that digital time with that in-person time uh, because we don't want to go 100% non-digital necessarily to fix the problem. We just need to find a balance of time with our significant other that is deep, meaningful, face-to-face, and then time using the technology for a distraction or whatever we're going to do with it. All right, the last one, the ability to learn, grow, and solve problems. Oh my gosh, No question this is going to be a positive in the future because we're going to have just improved resources that will help a marriage. You know, it's the wonderful thing about the Internet is it continues to grow. It continues to improve. Now, specifically, the kinds of things that I think we're going to get are like more online counseling. And so that online counseling could be either uh, with a video uh, of an actual counselor live talking to one of us or both of us. And so just making it uh, an ability to do it without having to drive somewhere else. Maybe you're doing it with a counselor who's across the country, right? So there's a bit more privacy involved. Uh, so I think that certainly is going to improve just the, the method by which we get the counseling. And I think you, then we can go all the way to AI advisory systems. 
So not just looking up uh, some issue that we have in marriage, like, uh, you know, the thrill is gone, you know, or I think my spouse is cheating on me, right? But actually now being able to go get an AI advisory system where we can go and put in what we think we know and the AI gives us some fairly sophisticated advice. Now, for some people, I know you think that's a step too far. You're like, Scott, that's just over the edge. The last thing in the world that I want to do is talk to an AI about my marriage. I know you might feel that today, but there are a lot of people that will feel more comfortable talking to a smart system, especially when they realize that it really is smart, than talking to a human being, especially if the problem is embarrassing. If you think about topics in a marriage like the sexual side of the relationship, you know, that's often a side where when something starts to be a problem, people don't want to talk about it. And so that's a perfect scenario where an AI smart system might be something that you really might reach out to uh, because it's better than just reading an article. You want to be able to put in specifically what you think is happening and then have the AI come back and maybe ask you more questions and maybe give you a pretty concise answer. I, I don't think as the younger generations get older that they will have a real negative feeling about an AI advisory system or an AI chat system that is helping them with their deep relationships. So again, I see that as nothing but a positive, is just more tools, better tools, different kinds of tools, that when we need help, we can get those tools. Now, again, if I look into the future and I, I just wanted to say, hey, let's watch out for things. You know, I think about movies like Ex Machina, or the Westworld. Uh, and I think about the relationship with uh, something other than a human. Because in those cases, or, the, you know, or a case like the movie Her, you had a human being with a relationship with basically a machine, right? Uh, or an automaton, something that, that looked like a human being, but was not a human being. Might even been close to a human being, but it was not a human being. You know, I do think that that is something that it, when we look into the future could be a problem, you know, for deep relationships. You know, it's bad enough now if you're cheating on your spouse with, you know, a, a human. You know, it might seem much easier for people to cheat on uh, their spouse with a machine. Uh, and when I say easier, I mean they'll rationalize it. Well, it's not a human. You know, I mean, it, it's uh, it's essentially like a big doll. You know, I'm not really cheating on you, but essentially you are, right? I mean, you, your heart and your time is being given to something else or your attention, certainly. And so, you know, that is something that we'll have to watch out for is that toxic mimic of the real thing uh, that could be some type of machine that is very human-like, all right, so let's wrap this up with uh, you know talking about it maybe this way. What what would the optimal marriage or optimal deep relationship look like on digital? Here's what I think we'd see, right? And what we will see in the future, hopefully more and more. You got a balance of human connection and digital, right? So there's a balance of the human and the synthetic part of your relationship, and you balance these things consciously so that the relationship is healthy. You have a great use of digital as a problem solver or to help you create healthy solutions to things. And so if there's any problem in the, in the relationship, you can go to a digital channel or a digital tool to help you with that problem. 
All right, healthy communication habits. So using the new communication channels and technology to have great communication between yourselves and simply augment it without replacing the face-to-face communication you need to have. And then using technology as a resource to enhance the fun in a relationship. Okay, I mean, podcasts on how to give massages, recipes that you can cook together, you know, information on vacations that you both would enjoy, right? There's a lot of ways we can reach to technology to try to add some of that spice or some of that fun into the relationship. And certainly an optimal marriage on digital is using digital tools to find the fun and make sure the fun is in the relationship. So that's kind of what an optimal marriage on digital looks like to me. So be mindful, be aware of the role that technology is playing in your relationship right now. If you haven't built one yet, be careful of the role it grows to play. If you started digital, make sure you transfer to the face-to-face well and then find that balance. Don't get stuck on the digital side because that's where it started. Don't over-leverage that side. Remember, technology in this case, it can be a blessing or a curse to the relationship. It's all about how you're going to put that balance in. So this ends our relationship or ends our series on relationships, you know, now with the deepest relationship. Uh, and, And so obviously if we look back, you know, we had just acquaintances and how do we build our network? And then we had people who were just friends. And then we had people that were close friends and family. And then we had the deep, committed relationships. Every stage, technology plays a little bit of a different role. I see positive things for relationships in general. Of course, it's all how we're going to use the technology, but I do see a positive future with what digital will do inside of relationships as we learn to handle it better and better, and as the technology itself gets more and more robust. One commitment I would ask from you. Especially in your deep aware, deep relationships, be aware. Just be aware of the role technology is playing. Be aware of the role it plays in all your relationships. And just make sure that it is a healthy one. It's under your control, but you've got to be aware of what technology is doing in your relationships. All right. So the next podcast is going to be a special one on the environment and digital and what we see going into the future. So when I say environment, I mean the impact on the earth. So we're going to be talking about the impact on the earth and what digital tools might be able to do to help that going forward into the future, or what I believe will be used to help that going forward into the future. Uh, Yes, I believe that we have environmental issues, serious environmental issues. Uh, And so I think it really is time to, to do a podcast and really talk about well, what will be the impact of technology going forward on our environment? And how can it be used or how will it be used to improve the environment? Now, following that, I'm going to do a series on machine intelligence and the positive future I see for tools like robotics and AI. So uh, thank you. Thank you for listening. We'll be back with the next podcast on the environment and digital shortly. Thank you for listening and giving these ideas a chance. Let this be a two-way conversation and connect with me on Twitter at S. Klesowski or on LinkedIn. 
I also write a blog that you can find at scottklosowski.com. An added bonus is a library of thought-leading graphics you can download from the site. One more thing, please take a moment and rate this podcast on whatever platform you use. Ideas are powerful change agents, and positive reviews will help spread the digital optimism.